Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Just a few weeks back, I was sitting in my office a completely normal afternoon, and my cell phone rang. Call came in through my cell phone, but it was to the church's number. So I pick up the phone, say, good afternoon, this is Matt. Voice on the other end says, hi, may I please speak to the pastor at the Way Church? Without any hesitation, I probably said, this is, this is him, what can I do for you? And then there was a pause on the other end of the line as the caller seemed to collect themselves and in order to ask, does so-and-so really go to your church? With much more hesitation, I said, uh, yes, they do. Can I, can I ask why you're inquiring? I'd be lying if I, if I didn't admit to you that during that moment, I, I panicked a little bit. I panicked at what this person did to the caller wearing their The Way t-shirt, what crime they might have committed out in public that was making someone call our church and ask for the pastor. But what happened over the next 30 minutes was this individual, this caller who, who called me up, told me a story, told me a story about their friend, someone who is a member of our faith family. And what happened was they shared example after example, time and time again, about how their friend, our brother or sister in Christ, helped them out in such a way by giving so generously of their time in really, really generous amounts where I had to stop and ask at one opportunity, wait, so-and-so did what? And they assured me, yes, that they gave so generously of their time, time and time again, and they did it in such a sublimely beautiful way where it was clear that they were asking for nothing in return. The caller assured me that that was just the beginning of it. It wasn't just time that their friend gave to them, but it was also real material possessions that they gave to the point where the person who called me said, look, there's no way I'll ever be able to repay them for what they did. I listened over the course of that conversation to example after example of love that this person showed to the caller to the point where the, the caller said, people in my life, my friends and my family are remarking about this person. They're telling me, man, you are blessed. You are so blessed to have this person in your life. I'd be lying if I said I didn't have to hit mute on my phone on one occasion as I listened to this story, which I, I, I want to share more and more with you about because it truly moved me. And I had to hit mute to, to grab a Kleenex and, and blow my nose. But guys, trust me, it was, it was a manly, manly nose blow. It, uh, you would have you needed to as well. But I had to quick unmute because the caller, the, the person on the other line said, Pastor, Pastor, are are you listening? <laughs> Which of course I was. How, how could I not? And they said, Pastor, I've never been to your church. I've never been to your church. And I don't know what you preach and I don't know what you teach there. But I do know this. 
you must preach and you must teach the gospel. Because if there's one thing clear, there is at least one person, there is at least one person in your church who hears Christ, who knows Christ, and who is living Christ to me. You want to make, you want to know what makes me filled with joy as a pastor? It's this. It's a call like that. And I'll be honest with you, those calls don't often happen. In fact, this was the only call that's ever happened in in this way like this. But this fills me with such joy. And really, it's, it's this realization that, that the caller helped me see. It, it's not just the fact that you and I gather together here around word and sacrament, that you and I gather together here around the gospel. And it is the thing that our ministry, our preaching, and our teaching centers on. Well, it's not just that. It's also the fact that going out from here the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of sins forgiven, the message of peace with God is the thing that is at the center of your heart. It's at the center of your mouth and the center of your lives as well. That's what fills this pastor with such joy. Can I tell you what makes me so glad to be a pastor, to be the pastor here at this church and what makes me so filled with joy? It's you. (laughs) It's the partnership that we have in promoting the gospel. What fills me with such joy is knowing that here we share the gospel, we encourage the gospel with one another. But even beyond that, what fills me with joy and makes me so happy is the fact that there are hundreds and hundreds of times I'm sure that you are sharing that same gospel message to your children. You're sharing that gospel to your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers. What makes me filled with such joy getting to be a pastor here is that you call me up, you text me, you send me cards, and you thank me, and you just want to let me know that you're praying for me and the work that we do here together, the gospel ministry that we do. And I hope you know that I am praying for you always in your lives and your vocations and things that you do. But it's not just about the times where we text and call and send cards to one another. It's about wherever we go, whatever you do, know this, that you have a family of believers who loves you and supports you. (laughs) That fills me with joy. What fills me with joy is that you're here this morning, that you come (laughs) to worship. And no, it's not just like seeing people and having an attendance at church, but what fills me with joy is the fact that I know what happened this last week. I know because I ask you how you're doing this morning and you tell me you're tired. You tell me that you had a busy week and yet even though there's tiredness in our eyes, we're here this morning. There's a clarity, there's a focus in your eyes because you know you're coming here to get the goods. You know you're coming here to receive rest for your soul in the message of sins forgiven, in the message of the empty tomb. What fills me with joy, and yeah, I'm gonna keep going with a couple more examples, is the fact that you give thank offerings to your God. And it's not just that you give thank offerings to your God, but you do so generously. You do so knowing that you have been given and given and given and given by your God. And so you give and you give and you give out of love for your God. (laughs) This might sound a little strange, but it fills me with joy to get to meet with people and talk with people who are going through rough times. And that's certainly not the joyful part, 
but it's talking with men and women who are going through heartbreaking things, tragic things in their life. And I listen and we, and we talk with one another, we pray with one another. And then they say, but <laughs> this is hard. This is heartbreaking. This is tragic, but, but I know that Christ Jesus who began a good thing in me and the day of my baptism will carry it out to the day where I meet him again. It's getting to sit with people in, in the midst of, of really tough and tragic times and yet hearing their confidence, hearing their joy. That is what brings me joy. You know what brings me joy? It's when I call up your life group leaders after like a week of life groups and just ask how to go this week. And they tell me it went really well. It went awesome, actually. We stayed for two, sometimes three hours and, and just hung out together. And I say to them, oh, it must be because I, I wrote some really, really great discussion questions, isn't it? And they're like, no, we actually, we covered those in about 45 minutes. We're just hanging out because we love one another. We love encouraging one another in our lives. That's what fills me with joy. It's the fact that at the center of everything that we do at this church is the message of what God did through his son, that he saved us, that he saved us for all eternity, that he gifted us his Holy Spirit. He works faith in our hearts by his grace. And not just that, <laughs> that that is also at the heart and soul, that that's first place in your lives, in your mouths, in the words that you share with people in your lives, it's there as well. So you know what robs me of my joy? You know what takes away all of that joy from my life and from my calling to get to serve you as your pastor? It's me. It's me and it's all of the times where Christ and what God has done through his son isn't first place in my life or in my heart. What robs me of my joy is when Christ is second, third, or, or, or some other place in my life. It looks like me being worried about the future of our church, which you know isn't in my control or yours. I'm robbed of that joy in Christ, the joy that we share with one another in our, in our partnership in promoting the gospel. Want to get jealous of what that church is doing that we're not doing or what this church is doing we can't do. I lose my joy. I lose my joy in Christ and our joy that we share with one another whenever I get wrapped up and concerned about something that's really inconsequential when it comes to gospel ministry. When I get wrapped up and, and obsessed maybe with a problem that has nothing to do with the fact that God so loved the world that he sent his son. I lose my joy. I lose my joy whenever I get fixated and count the people who aren't here for this event or that event or, or aren't here yet. And I forgot to count the blessings of all the people who are here and who are hearing the fact that their sins are forgiven. God remembers their sins no more. They're as far as the East is from the West and they go and they live out that joy in their life. What causes me to lose my joy in life and my joy in ministry with you is when I forget that this church isn't yours. It's not mine and it's not ours. It's Christ. It's his ministry that, that he has given to us. And I guess I, I want you to know that that can happen to you as well. Look, we, we read it in Paul's letter before. He says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, get this, 
I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I know that you know that you have joy in the fact that God called you to be his own from the very beginning. I know that you have joy in the fact that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I know that you have immense joy in the fact that the Holy Spirit who has worked faith in your heart, who lives in you, is the same Holy Spirit who is going to carry you through life to eternal life with Christ. I know that you have joy in the fact that we get to do gospel ministry together and take that really, really good news to the world. But I want you to know that you can lose it. You, you can lose that joy for no other reason than the fact that, that we, we live in a world, there's evil in this world that looks to rob that joy that you have in Christ, that looks to rob the joy that we share together in Christ. I guess I was, I was reminded of this not too long after we started our church here. There was a Monday night Bible study very, very early on in our church's ministry. We were, we were even smaller then, but still growing. But a group of gospel partners got together on a Monday night to study God's word together. And we stuck around afterwards, just talking, just laughing and, and sharing what we had done together the weekend before. And everyone just kind of hung out. Eventually everyone left except for one person. And I I could tell that they wanted to say something to me, but we were in a pretty busy public place. So we, we just stepped outside into the parking lot. I won't forget what they said. They said, Pastor, I just want you to know that you suck all the joy out of ministry. What? <laughs> How can you forget something like that? No, don't get me wrong. I have, I've definitely forgiven them. But they said, Pastor, I want you to know you suck all the joy out of ministry. I will spare you all the details. But, but let, me just, let me just tell you this, that the thing that we talked about, the thing that we patiently discussed and understood was, was not that gospel was sucking the joy out of, out of their life. Certainly not. Not that there was anything really dealing with ministry that was taking the joy out of their life. And even that it wasn't me that was, that was robbing them of their joy, but it was something else. It was them. It was, it was their attitude. It was, it was their sinful pride. And it was their personal preferences that were competing with the gospel joy and the people with whom they got to spread the gospel with. That was the thing that was robbing them of their joy. I'm not telling you this story to, to bring shame on the person or guilt on the person who said those words to me, but I'm telling you this story so that you know, so that you know when the main thing is not the main thing. When Jesus Christ, his cross and the empty tomb are gone from the center of your life, there is gone your source of joy. There is gone our our source of joy in doing gospel ministry together. When the main thing is not the main thing, when Christ Jesus and his gospel aren't there, you rob yourself of the joy that you have in your life because you compete with the people that God has given you in your life to, sh to share that gospel message. 
You rob yourself of the joy that you have in Christ when you start looking to other things or other people, even your pastor or the people who are sitting six feet away from you and you look to them as the source of the joy that you have in life instead of Christ who never fails, who's always there and who is always giving you his joy. You rob yourself of the joy that you have in Christ, the joy that we share in spreading the gospel and and rejoicing in the gospel with one another. Whenever you cut yourself off for any amount of time from, from hearing the gospel or being around the gospel and the people who share the gospel with you. You rob yourself of joy when, whenever you look for true joy, enduring and lasting joy in people or things that aren't Christ. Look, Jesus said to Martha that there are so many things, there are so many things that can distract you and take you in away in life. But indeed, there is just one thing. There's just one thing needed. There's just one thing necessary at the center of your life that makes all the difference. It's me. He told Martha, it's me. It's me and and the good news that I am sharing with you. It is the gospel. That is the thing that is the source of joy in your life. It is Christ Jesus and the message of what God did through him, taking away all of your sins. That is the thing that is the source of righteousness. That is the thing that is the source of forgiveness. That is the thing that is the source of peace in your life, peace for your soul, a peace that this world can't understand. That is the stream through which you are given joy, Joy that cannot be taken away by any circumstances, any happenings, any people in the world. Look, what I'm saying to you is this, is that the gospel has consequences. It has positive consequences in your life. Knowing Christ and and knowing what he's given you means that you have the blessed consequence of knowing constant joy. And it also means that you and I, who who partner together to promote the gospel? Well, we experience joy in our relationships. In fact, we experience a deep, affectionate relationship with one another because of the gospel. Now, if that makes you a little uncomfortable that you and I and the people sitting six feet from you share a deep, affectionate relationship with one another, can I just tell you a little something about gospel partnerships? It's maybe an Oda thing, but gospel partnerships aren't a sentimental thing. No, gospel partnerships are are based on the gospel. (laughs) And so gospel partnerships are not a sentimental thing, but they are a sacramental thing. They are based on the fact that through our baptisms, Christ Jesus has called us to travel a road, the same road together through life, in which we are guided by one spirit, in which there is one hope, one Lord, one Savior, who is overall in all and through all. It's not a sentimental relationship. It's not a sentimental partnership that we share. It's a sacramental one. It's, it's based on the word found in the means of grace. It's based on the fact that when we come together and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what we have there is not manyness, but we experience oneness. As Christ Jesus is, is literally in us, spiritually in us through the Lord's Supper, what we experience is not 
Christ fragmented in all of us, but we experience Christ, no, not descending to us in that sense, but raising us up to himself to experience what he has perfectly with his father in heaven, oneness. That is what you and I experience in a relationship in which our primary thing that unites us and brings us together is the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb that is now pumped through our veins and makes our heart beat. We experience an affection, the affection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a peculiar phrase, but that's what Paul says in verse eight to the Philippians. He says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, Paul rarely does that. Paul rarely calls upon God to be his witness, but he does it here. He says, God can testify. God knows how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul wanted them to know. (laughs) Paul wanted them to know that he loved them. He longed for them. He longed to be with them. He longed to celebrate and rejoice in the gospel with them. And I want you to know the same. (laughs) I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And That's my prayer for each of you, that you long and you love me the same way. You long and love for one another the same way. That you long for this, that your desire is this, that the primary source of joy in your life is the gospel. And a blessed consequence of that is the fact that we experience joy among ourselves as we partner together to hear the gospel and share Jesus with everyone in our lives. There's a lot of different kinds of partnerships in the world. There's limitless ways that partnerships are set up. You think about maybe friends that share a partnership or maybe even a business partnership or a team partnership. Imagine if two friends opened up a chain of coffee shops together. They'd they'd be in a business partnership. You picture 11 11 guys out on a football field, 50-some people on a roster together. They, They have a partnership together. And all partnerships have the same foundational pieces to them, don't they? They have a shared mission, if you will, whether it's to make good coffee, win games, or make money. They have shared experiences that unite one another. They have, they have really t- difficult and tough shared experiences of a bad quarter of business or a bad quarter of football or a lost game. They have really good experiences that they celebrate with one another, winning games, coming from behind to, to win the championship. They have all of those good things, and so they share experiences. And that shared experiences and the shared mission, it, it builds community. All partnerships have those essential pieces, right? And yet there's no other partnerships like a gospel partnership. What we share is a mission that, that Christ carried out on earth, a mission that he gave to his church, a mission to call people out of darkness, to call people out of dark places in their lives, spiritually speaking, and call them from the flames of hell and place them squarely in peace and in presence with their savior. That mission is ours. What that results in is is shared experiences unlike anything that this world knows. It results in glorying and, and rejoicing in the victory that Christ has over sin, death, and the devil, and that victory being the thrill of our lives. It also results in us looking at difficult situations 
through an entirely different lens. This is 2 Corinthians, where Paul says, even when we go through difficulties and we are hard pressed on every side, we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Why? We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be revealed in our body. What those experiences do in our lives, whether they're good experiences or bad, when we celebrate them and go through them in the presence of a gospel partnership, well, it creates community. It creates community that runs deeper and stronger than family or blood because it's a, it's a community and it's a partnership that's made good by the blood of Christ, which brings us into the family of God. You have that here. You know that here. You've felt that, you've experienced that here. You see that. You see that here when babies are baptized into our faith family. You see that here when adults join our church. You know that. You know that because you hear about it in God's word. You felt that because over the past three months, you've missed that. (laughs) And ultimately, you know it because God, who promised, who promised to begin a good thing in you, has also promised to carry it out into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So the question is, now what? (laughs) Now that you know that, now that you know you have that, how do you value that? How do you make sure that, that we here together cultivate that so that we don't lose it? Well, the Apostle Paul in Philippians has a word, a word from God that answers that. It's actually a prayer, a prayer that you heard Paul wrap up this section of Philippians with. And what I could do this morning is tell you about that prayer and, and preach to you about that prayer. But I was wondering if you would join me in just saying that prayer together, saying Paul's prayer together for our church. Would you please stand as, as we join together in prayer? What we'll do is, is read Paul's words from Philippians, and then we'll join together in, in praying those prayer in four short prayers. Paul started his prayer out this way. He said, my prayer is this, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, We pray that your agape love, your unconditional perfect love, which you have given to us in your son, be reflected off each of us and onto one another as we partner together to share your gospel, to share the good news of Christ Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that out of our love for one another overflows more and more uh, the knowledge and the depth of insight into your love and into your word, which means that we pray that our love for one another grows as we grow to know your love more and more. Amen. Paul's prayer goes on and he says this, he prays that you may be able to discern what is best and you may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And so we pray, Christ Jesus, help us to know what really matters. Help us to know the secret of recognizing in our lives that which is vital, that which is life-giving, that which is the life-giving message of your love. We praise you, Jesus, that you so loved us and the world that you gave yourself up for us to make us holy, cleansing us by the washing with water through your word so that you may present to us before your Father's throne as radiant people without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. Amen. 
Paul continues his prayer and he says that I pray for you that you are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and our lives with the righteousness that is ours only through Christ and Christ alone. Holy Spirit, lead us, lead us and guide those who are here to remain in you. For apart from you, we know that we can do nothing. Holy Spirit, we know that it is you who began a good work in us and that is you who will carry it out until completion. And so Holy Spirit, create in us the fruit of love, your fruit of joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. And Paul wraps up the prayer really short and really sweet in this way. He says, to the glory and praise of God, amen. So we pray the same. God, man, our entire life, our entire aim in all that we do be found in you to bring you glory and praise forever and ever. Amen.